HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com It's Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you are tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Farm Report. We're coming to you live from the back of Roberta's at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's a beautiful day here in Brooklyn, 69 and sunny. I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks, and we are in studio with Kristen Wartman. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Kristen, you are a certified holistic nutrition educator um, in addition to uh, being a food and nutrition writer. So I would love to kind of just start off the show explaining a little bit of what that title means and what your training is and, and kind of tucking into what, what you do. Sure. So as a nutrition educator, I, you know, I teach people. I'm, I really look at it as re-educating people about food because we have so many misconceptions and there's so many myths out there about what food is. Um, I studied holistic nutrition, so it's much different than the more conventional approach to nutrition. Uh, Michael Pollan sometimes calls it nutritionism, where it's this breaking down of foods by you know nutrient, vitamin, mineral. So my approach is a much broader approach, um, looking at really a shift in understanding about the way we understand food, the way we relate to food. Um, so it's a real foods approach. Okay. So how is that different from... Uh, that, so that differs from like a, a dietitian or a more traditional nutritionist because why? Because I want people to really understand that we're not talking about individual food groups. You know, the USDA has this food pyramid, so it's not that. Um, you know, real foods are 
you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, beans and legumes, uh, pasture-based meat products, dairy products, uh, pasture-raised chickens, eggs, all of that uh-huh. is part of um, a real food diet. And a dietitian or the USDA, they look at food groups and it's largely influenced by industrial food, industrial food. So food that's really corporate controlled food and it's a lot of packaged and processed foods. So in my approach, you know, you really don't eat any packaged and processed foods because that's not, that's actually not technically food as far as I'm concerned. What would you call that? I, um, I like what Michael Pollan says. He said he calls it food like substances. Okay. Um, I think that's appropriate. I always think of the craft singles being like a cheese product, not actually, exactly not actually a a cheese. So if, so you do, um, private consulting, correct. And then you also work with a a group of doctors of cardiologists. Right. So when when you know someone is referred to you or you sit down in a meeting with someone i mean what does that can you give us a sense of what that looks like i mean sure yeah i mean basically i it's a lot of question and answer i'm trying to get a, a real sense of what their daily food intake looks like you know what are you having for breakfast lunch and dinner everything in between what are you drinking um you know everything that goes into your body you know what is that and once I get a sense of that, I'm really looking at how I can give them better alternatives and substitutions for, you know, what is usually a predominantly industrial food-based diet and helping them really see the difference because, you know, food has been marketed in such a way that it's become normalized. Uh, you know, these industrial foods are considered normal. They're considered what we should be eating. And um, they're really not. And we can see as evidenced by the obesity epidemic, the diabetes epidemic, high rates of heart disease, that, you know, this is making people sick. And we need to change that. So it's really about shifting, shifting in awareness. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's, let's use myself as an example mm-hmm. here. So I will we'll talk about what I had for dinner last night, what I had okay. for breakfast today, and then you can kind of give me some feedback. So you know, last night, got out of class late, went, went out to dinner, had a couple of cocktails, a little bit of uh, fried calamari and a spring roll. And then this morning, I had, a, a, you know, yogurt with some almonds and olive oil and a coffee. So, so I mean, how would you respond to like, okay. like that? My first question would be, you know, where did you have the calamari and the spring roll? The coffee shop in Union Square. Okay. Probably the calamari was fried in partially hydrogenated oils. So okay. you're getting some trans fats there, which we know raise triglycerides, have a negative effect on cholesterol, contribute to weight gain and diabetes. So I would say, you know, try not to eat those kind of foods very often. And if you do, use, go to a restaurant that uses, um, some restaurants use 100% peanut oil. Okay. It's not a trans fat. Okay. And that's a way to fry foods. Um, my next question would be, you know, what kind of yogurt did you have in the morning? Uh I just learned this. So it's the Chobani, which apparently they located in New York State to have access to New York State milk supply. So I felt really good about that. It was like the 2% Greek style yogurt. Okay. Plain. Okay. So my question for that or my issue with that would be, you know, I don't believe you should eat 1% or 2% milk products. I think we should eat full fat milk products. And the reason is when they when they make these low-fat milk products, they add in skim milk usually Mm -hmm. or some other type of additive. But the skim milk is actually a a powdered non-fat milk solid, which is oxidized cholesterol, which also raises bad cholesterol and triglyceride. Um, Sometimes it's not on the label either. Okay. So so that's something to look out for. Um, Use full fat. And, you know, I would prefer organic milk because then you're not getting the hormones and the antibiotics that Uh are in conventional milk. Um, 
and and then you know coffee i would say you know try to use organic coffee um because it's processed with a lot of chemicals if it's not organic okay okay cool (laughs) so i mean i think this is like one of the you know it's like in in conversations that i've had here on the show it's you know often we talk about this idea of you know, eating healthy or eating whole foods mm-hmm. as as though we all understand yeah. and are talking about the same thing. So, I mean, you, you know, you kind of giving me this feedback on, you know, choose this, not that, or choose this, not that. And, and you know, what are, I mean, are, what are resources like you, you send people back out into the world with a site, you know, and I guess I'm not really being clear here, like, how do you mitigate all the choices in mm-hmm. the day? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, especially someone who's having real health issues with food, you know, you have all these um, other factors impacting you with regards to your time and your finances and also your willingness to, to commit to those things. So how, how, you know, as an educator, do you kind of arm people against the world that they're going to go out in? They're going to get out, you know, hey, you want to go have lunch with me? Or it's it's Saturday morning and I'm hungry and I'm out, like, yeah. Well, it's it's two main things. It's asking the right questions, but in order to ask the right questions, you have to have the knowledge first. So, you know, that's I, I was working with a client recently who, you know, he needs to lose a good amount of weight and he said to me, "Now that you've told me, you know, all the things I need to know, when I go grocery shopping now there's this whole new subtext that I didn't know about." And it's like, you know, is the is the beef grass fed? Is the milk organic? Is is the cheese raw? Does it have additives and stabilizers? You know, all these things he didn't even notice before are in his awareness. And that's like the first real step, like giving people that awareness. And then, you know, like you said, preparation is really key. And that's where, you know, meal planning comes in, having the right foods at home comes in, being able to take some good foods with you to lunch. Because for the most part, you know, our options day to day on the street are not that great. Obviously, there's amazing restaurants doing good work. But, you know, generally speaking, it's harder to find those. I mean, do you find there's kind of themes as far as stuff that people are like, I thought I was eating healthy. You're telling me this isn't healthy? Oh, oh yeah, all the time. Like, for example, when I say don't drink skim milk, they're like, what? I thought I was supposed to drink skim milk. Um, even people think they should be drinking Diet Coke because they think that's low calorie and, you know, all that. And they're having weight problems as a result. So I get that all the time. And what is, I mean, so through, you know, kind of your education and the things that kind of qualify you to do this work, I mean, how much of it is... You know, obviously, there's a science of nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's kind of real things that are in or not in foods, and, yeah. and real interactions with your body. So, how like how science heavy? You know, how how does that balance out between? Um, you know, I think there's this idea that if 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 there's like science behind it, that that makes it right, and and that is kind of this USDA model essentially is not based on, you know, no, you know, it's based on something. So mm-hmm. I, I just kind of how do you What's the spectrum there and how does it shift between the USDA model and then kind of the type of work you do? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the work I do is based on scientific studies and research. The problem is, you know, these aren't the mainstream studies often. They're not the ones cited by the USDA. Um, You know, a lot of the USDA doesn't really want to use some of the products I'm talking about. They like the, the studies that support, you know, that industrial food's okay for, you know, these following reasons. So... I do believe science, you know, science-based evidence, it's really important to have that. But I think food is much more intuitive than just a science, you know, having a science background. You need to understand how things fit together. You need to understand people's relationships to food. And you need people to really just get a general sense of what 
you know, what is real food? And that's not scientific, really. It's just a, a more basic understanding of like what our body needs to be healthy and thrive. So I, I like, um, you know, you've mentioned uh, Michael Pollan. Um, another kind of name that comes to mind would be Nina Plank when you're talking about sure. real food. And, and, and I think Michael Pollan put together that great book, you know, uh, Food Rules. Yeah. That, you know, basically like, don't eat cereal that turns your milk a different color. Just like right. kind of this collection of things that help people navigate um, nav- navigate their food choices on a day-to-day basis. So do you, I mean, are there kind of like a top 10 rules for you or things that you're like, you know, if someone comes in, obviously they're not going to have a complete diet overhaul. Right. So where, like, where do you start kind of unpacking some of that change? Yeah. Um, well, you know, number one is, is eliminating industrial foods as much as you possibly can. I mean, I really think that's important. And can you just be clear about like what you're talking about sure. with in- industrial foods? Sure. Industrial foods to me are foods that have been highly processed, highly refined. So high, like white flour that's in like every packaged good, a lot of refined white sugar also in every packaged good, uh, poor quality vegetable oils. You know, you'll see like soybean oil, uh, sunflower oil, coin oil, it's all in these packaged foods. And these are really low quality foods. They have very little nutritional value. And in fact, you know, they cause disease and um, have been linked to obesity. So once people really cut that out, I mean, and once they can differentiate between a real food and an industrial food, you know, stuff starts to just sort of fall together and, you know, piece itself together for them. Um, You know, real food is, you know, it's vital, it's alive. So it's really, to me, the main point is a plant-based diet, you know? Okay. So 60 to 75% of your diet is really plant-based depending on, you know, what you're, you know, if you're pregnant, if you're old, if you're young, there's all these variations, but um, you know, most people aren't eating a plant-based diet. They're eating a really meat heavy diet and they're eating a lot of like filler food. Okay. So plant-based diet would be number one. And then number two, checking your sources in terms of when you are eating animal foods, you know, are they clean? Are they pasture based? Um, you know, trying to get to the farmer's market and really get know where your food actually is coming from. So as far as animal products are concerned, um, you know, looking at your beverage choice because people sometimes don't think about that as food. Mm-hmm. But you know, you really can't be drinking soda like ever because the high fructose corn syrup in there is also you know strongly correlated to diabetes and obesity. So it's about drinking a lot of water. Um, you know, herbal teas. So it's you know, once you start to understand these fundamental principles, it all really starts to make sense. And when you talk about, you know, so- sourcing as, as far as, you know, where, where am I, like, where, are pe- where can people go for these foods? And, and are there particular uh, ways to kind of look for them that are, you know, specific to New York City, but also just kind of more broadly, you know, you have this, the, the kind of corporate food interest, and you see those in the packages at the store. And so where, you know, where, where I guess, where do the farmers, too, fit into this? And, and as far as like sourcing or accessing food, I mean, where do you direct people? I mean, the number one thing is I tell people to go to the farmer's market. I mean, New York City has an abundance of amazing farmer's markets. They're all over. And once you get there and you sort of know how to navigate your way around, you know, I'll take people to farmer's markets and show them, you know, go to this farmer, get this meat, get this pork, get these eggs, um, get these vegetables. These are all, you know, this is the way to do it. Um, 
there's also more and more there's there's you're finding it available you know in grocery stores um but i think the more people ask and the more people sort of want this the more it will appear in the stores for them so that's really it you know just being a, a conscientious consumer yeah Okay, well, um, I want to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, I want to talk into uh, one of your recent uh, articles, Why the Food Movement Should Occupy Wall Street. We're back. It's Thursday. You're tuned into the Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. We are in studio with Kristen Wartman, and we are talking about nutrition and the corporate food system. And Kristen, you just published this article on on Civil Eats called Why the Food Movement Should Occupy Wall Street, and I want to talk about that. But before we do, just kind of in response to the first half of the show, I, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of rules for people with regards to, to what to eat and and you know, we were talking a little bit before the show about the Sarah Palin kind of response to Michelle Obama's um, obesity plan, kind of calling it the nanny state. And as Americans, we have the right to eat what we want, how we want, when we want. And and I'm just curious, like, how you would respond to that. I mean, it, are you kind of taking our, our, our way, our right to, like, eat what we want to eat? Or <laughs> I, I don't look at it that way. Um I think that the corporations have taken away our right to eat what we want to want to eat. We're constantly flooded with advertising, marketing for these corporate foods that are of little or no nutritional value and are causing our population to be sick. So, you know, I think we actually need more regulation in terms of, you know, what is allowed to be marketed to kids and what's in the food. Um, you know, either that, you know, either that or we have to completely boycott the entire industrial food system, which seems you know, pretty far away from where we are right now. So we need some more regulation, I think. So, I mean, is that what you're calling for in your article? Or tell us a little bit about that piece and kind of what, what you're proposing there. 
Basically, no, I mean, I am actually calling for a boycott of certain (laughs) foods. Um, You know, companies like Monsanto and Cargill, um, these are companies that control, you know, huge amounts of the food supply. You know, Monsanto has like 93% control over like the soybeans in this country, which are in nearly, you know, it's a fifth of the food we eat is soy. So it's in the animal feed, it's in the soy oils, it's in all the packaged foods. So, you know, that's why it's really about getting away from the industrial foods. Um, I really think that Americans need to understand just how deeply these corporations are controlling our food supply. It's it's way more intense than any kind of control or, you know, regulation that Michelle Obama is talking about, you know. So Sarah Palin and all of them are completely misguided, I think, about this. About that issue. So, yeah. So, so, so well, I mean, has our government allowed the the corporations to control what we eat i mean why would they do that don't they care about us <laughs> um i'm sure they care about us <laughs> i'm sure some of them care about us but um yeah they have allowed the corporations to do that actually there's all kinds of subsidies that you know allow all these crops to be produced that are really used in all these foods um there's a lot of there's not very tight regulation advertising is like basically you can just do whatever you want and um, you know, kids see an inordinate amount of fast food advertising every day. Uh, they, they said that 84% of parents um, report taking their kids to fast food restaurant once a week. And it's become really a normal way of living. Okay, so you're, you're saying that essentially we, we have been, the, the media and the corporations have kind of created this environment where what we now think of as normal is is new, is different than it, it used to be, and it's causing these real impacts of uh, increased rates of o- obesity and diabetes, and not small increases. I mean, I think in your article you cite, what, 75% of the country is overweight? Is overweight that- or obese, yes. And one in three children um, born after 2000 will develop diabetes in his or her lifetime. Uh, what that means is they potentially might not outlive their parents, which is like a really shocking statistic. I mean, it's like the first time in the history of the United States that that's been the case. Ever, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what you eat, you know, obviously it makes sense that what you eat impacts your health. Um, and that's a very personal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So from a more of a systemic level, kind of like what's available or what's being kind of fed to us. I mean, is that where we should be engaging with the Occupy Wall Street movement? Or how is it that... The food movement um, and the Occupy movement are are aligned. Right. Well, I went when I was down there a couple of weeks ago. Naomi Klein was down there speaking, and you know, I asked her how they were connected, and I, I really liked what she said. She said the food movement is inherently anti corporate, and it's really about rebuilding a real economy. And she said that the food movement was really paving the way because it's about creating local and small food economies. If we can do that across the board in all these manufacturing jobs and areas, that that's really what's needed. So this is a really great moment for people involved in food and the food movement to really get together and talk about how we can get some of these corporate greed and corporate you know, interests out of our food supply, how we can really support local food economies and become more participatory in them. And that's really what you know, democracy is all about. It's what Occupy Wall Street is all about, is getting people engaged in our democracy. You know, what's more democratic than food and being engaged in our food and our health? 
So wanna so I you know I came across your article uh, through a listserv that I'm on called uh, the food food crisis listserv. It's a Google listserv, and some of the response to the article was that hey, what about farmers? Like mm-hmm. you didn't mention them in the article, and and I think one of the things that uh, is really holding the food movement back or the farm movement is this idea that they're separate movements. Right. So. I mean, did you consciously choose not to address them, or do you feel like you don't want to speak to them? Or, or no, no, I would know? love to speak to farmers, and I have a lot of friends that are farmers in California, and and I know a lot of the farmers that I buy food from here, and it's it's crucially important. Obviously, um, I would love to engage with m- more of them and figure out ways for you know us writing and activists in the food movement to really work together with farmers. You know, I, I spoke to a dairy farmer recently. I was I wrote an article on, it's called Not Your Grandma's Milk. It was on Grist about a month ago. And I was talking to some dairy farmers and um, this, this man, John Bunting, he was an expert on that. He's been dairy farming for like generations. And he said, look, if you don't want industrial processes in our food, we need more farmers. We need more farmers and we need more people engaging in it. And I do find that, you know, some of the farmers I talk to are frustrated because they don't feel like their voice is being heard. And, um, you know, I would love to join forces with them. And I think that maybe through this movement, you know, the Occupy Wall Street movement, we can do that. And I think that's one of the things that's been so interesting about the Occupy Wall Street. You know, there's all this criticism, oh, they haven't made demands or, oh, there's no leader or, oh, what are they really all about? And, you know, a friend of mine was like, you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to have any answers to be pissed off. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and on some level, keeping keeping the movement uh, open like that allows people to see themselves in it, to reflect, you know, what it is that they're frustrated about. Right. Um, I want to get your opinion on, you know, often the, the food movement is accused of being elitist. And, you know, through your work as a, a nutrition educator, I mean... How are those types of services available to people across an economic spectrum, or how do you, you know, how how do you engage with with different populations, or, or what do you see as opportunities for people in your profession to do so? Yeah, I mean, I think schools are really the place where you can get, you know, a really broad range across all economic levels, you know, all races, everything. We need to get into the schools and really educate kids at a really young age. It's not really happen. I mean, of course, Alice Waters is doing it in California with their edible schoolyard projects and other people are doing it here too. Um, but it's really not by and large in the American, you know, in the American public school system. And it should be a fundamental part of our education, teaching kids about food, where it comes from, you know, how to grow some food and how to prepare and cook food. Cause you know, a lot of my clients don't have any clue how to cook food or prepare food cause they just weren't taught. And that's, that's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, but you're right. It is, it is limiting if you don't have the economic resources, you know, to pay someone to come into your home and help you with these things. So that's why I think, I mean, I really believe it's a fundamental right to know how to know how to eat healthy food, to know what healthy food is, to know how to cook it. Uh, and it should, it should be in the school systems. So if people want to, uh, I mean, if, if people want to get more engaged with, um, with nutrition, want to learn more about your approach, I mean, are there resources that you would direct them to? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for you know for nutrition, Michael Pollan's great. Nina Plonk is great. Marion Nessel, um, you know, you can look at my blog. You can go to Civil Eats. You, you know, there's so many resources online for that, and um, I think it's becoming more and more you know readily available. Yeah, and so uh, what about? Um, I'm, I'm just curious. This kind of just popped in my head, but there is this idea that if you 
what is the role of exercise, I guess, in, in diet? Or how does that work into into your consulting? I mean, can people, as far as, like, if you really want to change how your body looks or you really want to change your nutritional uh, intake, I mean, what's the balance of how, how, how much are you affected by what you eat and you know versus how much you move? I mean, where can you have a bigger impact? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, and a lot of people will have a different answer to that. I really believe food is really primary to that. Of course, you need to move. Our bodies were meant to move, to walk, to run, to do some kind of aerobic activity, you know, where your heart rate's up and you're sweating. Everyone needs to be doing this at all ages. Um, that said, I really find that food is, is really crucial to to getting you, you know, into the best and most healthy state you can possibly be. I mean, I've talked to exercise specialists and personal trainers, and they tell me it doesn't really matter how much people work out if they're not eating the right foods, too. So, yeah, that's what my sister says. <laughs> it's funny she's a trainer with a dietetics background. Uh, so. okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? You mean I can't eat whatever I want if I just no. go to the gym? Unfortunately, you can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cool. So, uh, what do you have in the pipeline? I mean, any I, you you have written on kind of a variety of of topics with relation to to food and nutrition. I mean, are there any other subjects that are that are out there and interesting for you that you're planning on talking into in the in the coming? Yeah, weeks? I mean, I'm really interested in in this whole corporate takeover of the food system and how that really translates into control over the health of American people. You know, people don't really realize how insidious that is. That's something that I'm looking to really, you know, get more in depth on. Um, and, you know, now that you brought up the farmers and, and really trying to connect these two movements or you know, there's a multitude of movements around food, I would like to, to work with more farmers and sort of talk to them more about how we can unify and, and make a real positive impact. So that's another thing I'd like to. There's also, you know, if you're into direct action and, mm -hmm. um, you know, t this Saturday um, down at Zuccotti Park, there's going to be a rally called Occupy Against Big Food. And, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of people across, you know, all a lot of the issues involved around food. And I'm hoping, you know, some farmers will come out, some chefs, you know, writers, activists, everyone, consumers come out and um, let's really bring an awareness to the American people about just how how intense this corporate takeover of the food supply really is and how it is really affecting all of our, our health. Yeah, I mean, I know personally for me what I think would be really helpful is just some type of simple history of, of, of how this happened because obviously these companies haven't existed no. forever. So what are the kind of policies and practices and, and, and who is really pushing? I mean, is it all back to Earl Butts and like mm -hmm. the Secretary of Egg or, or, or is it something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think it does feel a little bit overwhelming. You know, you look at these, these you know, you mentioned Monsanto, you mentioned Cargill. It's like multinational corporations, huge powers. It's like you and I sitting here feel <laughs> pretty tiny against that. But the thing is, they did come from somewhere, right. you know, and, and I think we were talking earlier about, you know, what is this this idea that you can't have a critique if you don't have a solution. And, and I think, you know, we're not, we, we don't have a solution, but we're mad. And, and that's, <laughs> right. that's enough, right? I, I agree 100%. I mean, just to be talking about these issues and bringing the awareness to these issues is really the first step. And then, you know, then maybe we can start making some demands and really creating some serious changes. All right. So, Kristen, thank you so so much for coming in. If if you want to read more of her work, you can find her at kristenwartman.wordpress.com. Um, check out the rally this Saturday. Um, and then at 2 o'clock, come over to the Astor Center. We're doing a goat 
uh, butchering tasting demo uh, with uh, Jacques of Palo Santo, Margot and Alex from Consider Bardwell Farms, and Anne Saxelby of Saxelby Cheesemongers. We'll have tacos, we'll have wine, we'll have goat cheese. Um, visit the Astor Center website to reserve your spot. Tickets are 35 bucks. I think there's still a few spaces left and it should be a good time. Sounds so. like real food. Real food. That is right. <laughs> real food in real time. <laughs> All right, so you've been listening to The Farm Report. Kristen, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And we'll catch you all next week. National Food Day, St. John's Bread and Life, Brooklyn's innovative and life-saving food service program based in Bedford-Stuyvesant, is inviting Brooklyn chefs and purveyors to learn about how the organization is marrying the procurement of old-fashioned, locally-grown organic produce with the latest technology to deliver healthy, cost-effective meals to those in need. St. John's Bread and Life, located at 795 Lexington Avenue, will hold an open house on Monday, October 24th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Visit www.foodday.org to sign up for the event.